Welcome to the Knox Podcast, featuring a sermon from the pulpit of the Knox Evangelical Presbyterian Church, located in Kenmore, New York. Heaven. As Christians, we look forward to it as our eternal reward, but what exactly is it? What will we do there? Why is it really so special? Pastor Justin will attempt to answer these and many more questions in this eight-part series. In part four, his sermon entitled, To Be Resurrected, Pastor Justin discusses the many theories about what happens when we die. Do we come back? Are we absorbed into the universe? He dispels these and other ancient myths and talks about what resurrection in Christ really means. And today we're going to be opening up our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, looking at a couple verses here. As we continue our series on heaven, the handbook of heaven and what the Bible has to say about our next life. So let's, uh, let's open our Bibles here to 1 Corinthians 15. I will ask you if, if you could stand, please, as we read the scripture of God. But somebody will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish. When you sow, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And then moving ahead to verse 42. So it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown in natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, the, the great mystery for us as we look past the veil of death to what you have ready for us in the next life. Lord, we know that is, it can be cleared up for us by reading some of the words of the scripture as we did this morning. So I pray that you would encourage us with these words, that you would give us understanding, proper clarity uh, for what you have in store for us, and help us to go forward and uh, share this good news, this gospel, with the friends and family who very much need to hear it in your name. Amen. Please have a seat. So there I was, several years ago, walking down the halls of another church, minding my own business, but you know, you hear things. And I heard a couple people setting up a table in another room. They were having a conversation. Couldn't help eavesdrop a little bit. I didn't slow down or anything. But I did hear one person say this. They said, you know what? I think reincarnation is, is real. I really think that when I die, when we all die, we're just going to come back uh, as some sort of animal or something. And so I'm walking along, and I just stopped, and I had to turn around and go back to that room because I was baffled. I, I don't normally interject myself into somebody's conversation, but at that point, I had to know You've gone to a church your whole life. You've read the Bible. You've heard sermons on heaven. And this is your conclusion. That the God who made you, who put his very image in you, is going to recycle you into a rhinoceros. That's where you came out on top of this. Or in my case, probably a hummingbird or something like that. I don't know. But what I found in years since is that there is this confusion that is rampant even in Christianity. 
where people say, yes, I believe in God, I, I, I know that there's something after death for us, but there's this confusion about the specifics of what that is. And so you talk with people, and you realize that even within churches, there are some people that believe, well, we're just going to become floaty spirits, or we'll get promoted to become angels, and we'll become guardian angels over those we love or something like that, or we'll be absorbed into the larger universe and be connected with everything and everyone, or yes, we'll be reincarnated. And the more I study this confusion, I go, well, that would make sense for us to be confused if the Bible wasn't clear on this topic, if it was silent on what happens to us afterwards. But it is not. It's really not. In fact, the Bible makes a very radical claim repeatedly. And that claim is this. There is a physical afterlife, and we will be physically resurrected to live in our bodies. That is the claim of the Bible. That's what resurrection means. I don't know how you can take that word resurrection and get anything other than the resurrection of the body. This is a claim that's not just in the New Testament, by the way. We see it in the Old Testament. You could go to Job chapter 19, and we see that God's servant there speaks of encountering the living God in a resurrected flesh and blood body. He says this in Job 19, I know that my Redeemer lives, and that in the end he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, I will see God. I will see him with my own eyes, I and not another, how my heart yearns within me. You see, Christianity is, in many respects, an earthy religion. Not earthly. There's no L when I'm saying earthy, physical religion. It's a, a religion of the senses. We are meant to encounter things with touch and smell and feel. We are in, interacting with the world that God has made. God's not going to suddenly strip that away from us and take it away. Our next life will be something you can touch and hear and smell and, and experience the way we are right now. So today, what I want to look at is to put to rest a lot of these very strange misconceptions that Christians, maybe even you, have about what happens to us in the next life, about what we will be in heaven. And I want us to look at the, the promises that God makes in Scripture about the resurrection. Well, the first thing we need to understand, and I think this is important, is that the concept of a human resurrection was no, more, uh, no less strange to people back in biblical times than it is to us today. It was a radical claim. It was not a concept that everybody took for granted. You could really see that in the Gospels. In fact, there was a whole group of Jews called the Sadducees, and their thing was that they believed there was no resurrection whatsoever. I don't know why they got together, and they, they figured that was something that they wanted to base their beliefs around, but they believed there was no resurrection. Once you die, that's it. You're just gone. And they weren't the only ones. You see, even though Jesus told his followers numerous times that he would be betrayed, he would be put on trial, he would be executed, and he would come back, he told them this many times, how many of his followers were hanging up welcome back Jesus signs in their house on Easter Sunday? None of them. 
Nobody was sitting outside of the tomb on Easter morning with a little penance going, he is risen. Nobody was actually expecting this to happen because all of them thought that they knew the truth. They knew that once death claims you, that's it. You are gone forever, and that's all there is to it. Of course, that is, until Jesus suddenly appears in the room with them in Luke 24. And about all of them fell off their chairs. Reading into the text a little bit. But I know they didn't just go, oh, hey, Jesus, what's up? And they were frightened. The text tells us they were scared. They, they thought he was some sort of ghost. That was the only conclusion they had. He was dead. And now he's appearing before them. He must be some sort of spirit. But what does Jesus say? Why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise in your mind? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. And then he says this. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And we learned that they actually did touch him. John, when he wrote his first letter, 1 John, the very first verse he tells his readers, he says, listen, I not only saw the risen Lord, but when he told me I could touch him, I reached out and I grabbed him. I physically touched the resurrected Jesus. And so I know this, that I can tell you that he was risen. I have physical proof of the resurrection. Thomas, we know that story well, right? He doubts that Jesus came back, and our Lord tells him, Thomas, touch me. Touch my hands. Touch my side. Touch my feet. Know that it is I. And then after that, at least on two occasions, Jesus then eats with his disciples in his resurrected body. He wasn't a ghost. He wasn't a spirit. He wasn't an illusion. He was a resurrected man who could eat and touch. And this risen Jesus Christ is important for us to understand because our own resurrection, the Bible says, is based on his. Our resurrection is based on his. We're told in Philippians 3 that Jesus will use his power to transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. 1 Corinthians 15 Paul says there's an order to these resurrections. Jesus was resurrected first, and then those who die in him will also be resurrected, will be made alive. And when he kind of comes to, to terms with that truth, Paul goes up to the, the top of his house. This is just me imagining, but I read verse 55 very much like that, 1 Corinthians 15. And he crows to the world, and he says this, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? Because up to this point, in all of human history, death had a sting. Death was forever. Death was terrible. But now, it's not victorious any longer. Satan stopped being victorious the moment Jesus strolled out of the tomb on Easter morning in a flesh and blood resurrected body because the curse of sin the curse which brought death into this world was now broken at last. Yes, a physical death still happens, but it no longer has potency. It no longer stings. When we come and we mourn somebody who passes away in Christ, we weep because we'll miss them. We weep because we got used to them being here. 
But at the same time, there's a comfort in our heart that we know it is not forever. It does not take us away from those we love for all time. It does not send believers spiraling into nothingness or eternal damnation. We need to stop reading the resurrection account of Jesus. Like it was this weird anomaly that happened one time to one guy a long time ago, and that was it. It'll never happen again. Rather, the Bible says he is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. He is the, the vanguard, the forerunner of all the resurrections that are going to happen one day. If we're in Christ, the Bible says, we share in his death, but we also share in his resurrection. And that gives us such a cause to rejoice. But here's the thing. Even with that said, most Christians don't believe in a physical resurrection. There was a survey done among all believers, and two-thirds of them said, well, we believe there's an afterlife, but the resurrection is just really just our spirit. Our spirit goes to heaven, and we exist in spiritual form. That's not what the Bible says, but a lot of people do believe that. So why is that? Well, we've got to blame somebody for this. We've got to point a finger. So I'm going to point my finger at Plato. Yeah, you know him? Greek philosopher, hundreds of years before Jesus. Well, there was this line, uh, he started this whole school of thought called Platoism. And in Platoism, it's a very simple philosophy. Flesh is bad, spirit is good. The physical world is terrible. Your body, he says, was a tomb for your spirit. So when you die, your spirit is suddenly set free like a bird from a cage. And it can go and it can become what it wants to be. I don't know, go to community college or go to a Broadway show or whatever it needs to do to become happy. But so they, they, would, they would decrease the appreciation for the physical world and elevate the importance of the spiritual one. And this became a, a huge line of thought in Greek culture. Now what was the early church born into? Greek culture. Greek culture was everywhere. They spoke Greek. They, even though the Romans had conquered the world, it was very much a Hellenistic Greek culture. And so the early church got a bit of this Platoism mixed in with their beliefs. Even though the Bible said this, that you know, there is a physical resurrection, Platoism said, no, 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 no. It's just spiritual. Just spiritual. And so this kind of line of thought has persisted. And it even makes a kind of weird sense. I think this is a real reason why people believe it today, is it makes a sense when we look at the physical world. We don't see a world that is pristine and we're even getting better. We see something that is getting worse. We see our own bodies and we don't go, wow, I am at the peak of my form when I'm 60 years old versus 20. 20 was terrible. Now I'm great, right? We seem to peak pretty early on and then it's just a long downhill slide. Uh, for many of us. Some of you are beautiful, and I'm not, I'm not besmirching that right now. I'm just saying, you know, some of us had more hair at one point in our life. Some of us had less wrinkles. So we look at that, and we go, well, man, why do we get worse over time? Maybe it's because all this flesh needs is just bad, and we need to escape from it. Um, I've had friends throw out their backs, not by doing anything heroic, but because they open a drawer in their desk and suddenly your back goes out. Like, this is, this is weird. Your body does weird, horrible things. And so what is flesh if it's not something past its expiration date? Well, of course, we live in a sinful world. 
and sin's effects happen to our body as well as to all of creation. We feel the effects of aging and pain and disease. And one day, we kind of long to be done with it. Maybe you're already there. Man, I just can't wait to be done with being tired all the time or feeling the way I feel or looking the way I look. In fact, if somebody dies and they've been going through chronic pain or an illness for a long time, what do we normally say? It was a good thing that they died. They're not suffering any longer. They're in a better place. So these are the phrases we tend to use. And what are we imagining when they're in a better place? Not usually a physical body. We usually just, they're somewhere up there, smiling at us as a spirit. Well, as astute theologians of God's word, we need to put an end to Platoism in the church. We need to look at what the Bible says and the view of heaven. When God made us, he made physical beings with the spirit inside. And when he made us, the Bible says he pronounced us good. He didn't make something and go, well, you know, there's something good in the middle of that. It's like a Tootsie Pop. There's, there's something good in the middle, but the rest of it's just horrible. No, he says the whole package was good. When he made us, he put his image in a physical, emotional, spiritual being. And he pronounced it good. And when he saves us, 1 Corinthians 6 says that our physical bodies, not our spiritual bodies, our physical body becomes a temple of the Holy Spirit. He sets up shop in your physical body. Now, that, that doesn't tell me that God looks at your body and says, that is evil and I need to get away from it. Brothers and sisters, this isn't going to change in the resurrection. John 5 says that there's an hour coming in which all of the tombs, all of the people in the tombs will hear his voice and will come forth. Those who did the good deeds will come to the resurrection of life, and those who committed evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. The Bible says not only are the saved resurrected, but all people are resurrected. Every single person who has ever lived will be resurrected, some to life, some to judgment. But all will be given a permanent body that will endure throughout eternity. But this is really hard for us to grasp. It's really hard for us on this side of eternity when everything we look at is finite and it's involved with entropy. And we go, well, I can't imagine something just existing forever and a body that exists forever. And so Paul uses here in 1 Corinthians 15 a metaphor of a seed. He says, you're like a seed. Just imagine that. You can get that image in your head. He says, right now you're a seed that starts out very small, and it's very limited, and you don't, you don't have a full potential yet. But you're planted, and the day that you die is the day that suddenly you start to bloom and start to blossom and really start to grow for the first time. You become something wonderfully better. You get a resurrected body, and it will be remade. It's not a brand new body. It's remade out of your old one. This is what God does. He takes something that was corrupted, that perished, and he remakes it, and he makes it new again. Jesus, when he walked out of the tomb on Easter morning, was resurrected out of his destroyed, broken body. And that's what he'll do for us. But I'm curious about my new body. I want to know more details about it. What does having a resurrected body entail? Well, Paul goes into that, 1 Corinthians 15. He gives us four details about what a resurrected body entails. 
So here you go. Here's what you're going to have. First in verse 42. He says, your new body will be incorruptible. That's good news. Incorruptible body. It'll never age. You'll never look worse for wear. You'll never get pain anymore. You'll never get crow's feet. You'll never even get so much as the sniffles. On year 1000 in heaven, your body will look, feel, and function just as new as it was on the very first day that you were resurrected. Think about everything you hate about what your body has become. I'm not asking you to engage in self-loathing. I'm just saying we all, we all do like an inventory sometimes. You go, I don't, I don't like this, I don't like that, I don't like that. All right? Think of all your imperfections, your surgeries, acne, youth that you've lost due to time. And then imagine the day you wake up in a resurrected body, called forth from your tomb by Jesus Christ's voice, just the same way that he said, Lazarus, come forth. He'll say your name, and you will come forth, but in a better body, an incorruptible body, with none of the bad stuff and all of the good stuff. The second detail we're given is the Bible says, our new body is raised in glory. And remember how we started out talking about how heaven was God pouring out his glory to create a dwelling place, and then he poured out his glory to create the earth. And one day he will pour out his glory to create the new heaven and new earth. Well, he does this as well in the resurrection. He pours out his glory to recreate your body with his majesty and his beauty. He makes you still you, but the best you, the most amazing you. And we're told the end result in Matthew 13, 43, Jesus says the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of the Father. You're going to be incredibly good looking. In other words, just the best looking. And you're going to look at other people and you're going to be astounded at their beauty because they will be remade with the glory of God. The third detail we're given, I like this one. That Paul says our bodies will be raised in power. That means we're going to have a body that is strong and energetic. That's like the opposite, I think, how most of us feel most of the time. Most of us feel tired and weary. We come to our limitations so often. And at the end of the day, we kind of collapse and our brain has to reboot. And we have eight hours where our brain's just trying to get our bodies caught up so that we can go through another day. That's not how our new resurrected bodies will be. We don't have specifics on this. How powerful we'll be, how strong we'll be, I don't know. But I, I'm pretty confident in saying you will never feel weak or tired ever again in heaven. Never. You will never be dropping out of exhaustion. That is good news. And finally, the fourth detail we're given about a resurrected body is that we will be filled with the Holy Spirit and be made completely Christ-like. That will help us in everything we do in heaven, work and worship and activities. It will help us everything we do to be centered on God, loving God and pleasing Him. Because the Holy Spirit is fully within us, there will be nothing our resurrected bodies will ever do that will displease Him, that will ever fall into sin. Now, we're going to be talking in future weeks about what we will do with our resurrected bodies. I think you'll be pretty astounded about how much more we'll be doing in heaven than maybe you've imagined. But for now, just know that with a resurrected body that's spirit-filled, 
You will never do something that's out of alignment with God. You'll be perfectly in, in pleasing him. The more we study heaven, the more we study the resurrection, the more it really should help us prepare us for the day that is coming for all of us. The day where we have to say goodbye to this body. Goodbye to the, this vessel that God has given to us for a time. But also to prepare ourselves with excitement for the permanent body we'll have one day. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.2, Right now, today, we groan. We groan. He says all of creation groans, by the way. But we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. Whether or not you realize it, you've been groaning your whole life. You've been groaning because this body is not the perfect body that you are meant to be living in. It's not the perfect body that God has in store for you. One day you will have a heavenly dwelling, and it will not be angels' wings, and it will not be a ghost's bedsheet. The, the uh, evangelist R.A. Torrey once said, We will not be disembodied spirits in the world to come, but we will be redeemed spirits and redeemed bodies in a redeemed universe. Redeemed spirits and a redeemed body in a redeemed universe. Again, you'll be you, but you will be the absolute best you that God fashions you to be. And it's such, such a blessing to know. We don't have to put up with these bad bodies forever. Just for a time, just to do his will in this world, to live for him and obey him and prepare for this moment to come. But there will be a day that he'll call you forth from a tomb. And you're going to walk out of there and you're going to look so amazing. I'm just going to come up and go, oh my goodness, is that you? And you're going to say the same thing to me. And then we'll say the same two words. Praise God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, what, what praise we have for you today, knowing that you have prepared for us a body, a body to go with how you, you glorify our natures. We just want to thank you in advance for that hope of knowing that not only us, but those we love who have died in you. We will physically see one day again. We will get to wrap our arms around our loved ones. We'll get to wrap our arms around you, Lord, to feel you, to hear your voice, to see you with our own eyes, to see your glory. And so we just want to ask that you really make this real to us in our hearts not theoretical, not something that, is, that would, is a wonderful pipe dream, but, Lord, something we believe because you have promised it to us in the Bible. We long for our heavenly dwelling, O oh Lord. Make it real to us in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. You can listen to other sermons on our website at knoxepc.com forward slash sermons. To reach out to Knox Church or request prayer, send an email to pastor at knoxepc.com or send a text to our prayer hotline at 833-240-1824. That number to text prayer requests to again is 833-240-1824. Please include the word pray in your request. You may write to us at Knox Church, 2595 Elmwood Avenue, Kenmore, New York 14217. Our YouTube channel can be found at youtube.com forward slash at Knox EPC. Thank you again for joining us.